Please be seated. Before I start preaching, I'd like to share a few things about my life, and I'll tell you how this came about. Not too long ago, I was sort of shuffling around our home in Franklin, and I said out loud, I said, gosh, I'm walking like an old man. <laughs> and then I paused and I said, I guess I am one. <laughs> and that made me think. I really need to share a little bit more about who I am and why I get to preach sometimes and celebrate sometimes and read the gospel more often than the other two. And so uh, <laughs> I just want to share about my life. I've been an Episcopalian even before I was born. My parents were both born in Scotland, members of the Church of England, Anglicans through and through. And then the family moved to New Mexico where we became a ranching family. And we, my family belonged to a church in Raton, not too far away from Cimarron, where we lived. And I was actually baptized on the eighth day of my life in Miner's Hospital in Raton, New Mexico. And I even have the certificate to prove it. I was confirmed at the age of 14 at the Cathedral of St. John in the Wilderness in Denver, Colorado. And I didn't understand that the Spirit had been given to me until my time at the Naval Academy and toward the last year through some friends and, and uh, Bible studies and uh, a, a man out in, in a bookstore, Jim Wilson, and, and I invited Jesus into my life. And everything began to change. And I began to see life in a different way. And then I found out that Katrina, although she hadn't talked much about this, had seen the face of Jesus as she was escaping from Latvia at the age of six. And it was a very treacherous escape, and God protected her, and I thank God for that. Well, as time went on, I eventually uh, was ordained a priest. It was 47 years ago yesterday, which is kind of what triggered my uh, emailing Father Sammy to see if maybe I could preach today, and he obliged. So after seminary, I went back to Christ Church, and I served there for 12 years. And then I, went to all, I was called to All Saints Church in Winter Park, Florida, where I served for 21 years. And believe it or not, I've been here at St. Bartholomew's for 14 years. And I've always loved the call to be a pastor in the church. I, I've met so many beautiful people, beautiful people who love God and accept me and and encourage me, and, and I try to do the same for people I serve. So it's been a, a wonderful 47 years, and I thank God for each and every time. So now I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Last week, uh, Father Sammy preached a terrific sermon about Elijah and how he took on the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and how God uh, showed up in a powerful way and proved that he is the one true God. And after all the prophets of Baal were, uh, were slain, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, who was kind of the, the power behind the marriage, uh, promised that Elijah would, they would take Elijah's life before 24 hours went about, and he fled. He fled first to Beersheba, which is a long, long way. And then uh, he went to Mount Horeb, 
and there you know, he tried to see God in the storm and the wind and the fire, but then he saw God as he was coming out of the cave, and he heard the still, small voice of God. And from then on, Elijah followed this still, small voice, and he went back into Israel, and he hooked up with Elisha, and Elisha became his number one assistant. And, and wherever Elijah went, Elisha was with him. And then one day, God spoke to Elijah and said, I'm going to take you up to heaven. And Elijah actually shared that with the prophets that were around and Elisha, and they said, yeah, sure, you're going to be taken up to heaven. And so uh, first God called him to Bethel, and they, Elijah stuck with Elijah, and they got to Bethel. And then God called them to Jericho, and they went to Jericho, and Elijah stuck by. And then God called them to the Jordan River, and Elisha was the only one that stood next to Elijah. And then with the mantle, he parted the waters, and they walked to the other side, and he said, Elisha, what do you want from me? And he said, well, I want a double measure of your spirit. And Elijah said, well, that's a hard thing to ask, but if you see me being taken up to heaven, you will receive that. And so as they walked along, suddenly this whirlwind came, and a chariot of fire, and Elijah was taken from Elisha and whisked off into the heavens. And Elisha cried out, Father, Father, he was so scared that Elijah left him. What was he going to do? But the mantle of Elijah fell at his feet. And even though he rent his clothes, he knew what he had to do. So he went back to the Jordan River, put the mantle across, and the water parted, and he walked out, and these 50 prophets were waiting for him. And he said, well, Elijah was taken up into heaven. And they wouldn't believe him, as you can understand. So those 50 went out into the wilderness for three days looking for Elijah. And guess what? They didn't find him. And, and so Elijah suddenly took on the mantle. He took on the responsibility. And all the prophets knew that he had the spirit, a double measure of Elijah's spirit. And they really listened to him. So that's how Elijah prepared Elisha for ministry. And throughout the scriptures today, that's what's happening. God is preparing people for ministry. And in the gospel from Luke, that's what Jesus is doing with the disciples. If you read the whole ninth chapter of uh, Luke's gospel, you would see at the very beginning, Jesus sent out the disciples for ministry. And they went out from village to village, and they preached the kingdom, and they prayed for people, and people were healed. And they came back, and they were amazed at how God was going to use them and how he had used them. And then uh, the feeding of the 5,000 takes place, and God shows them how he's going to provide for them and meet their needs. Then Peter makes his great confession of faith and said, Christ is God. Then Peter, James, and John went up the mountain of the Transfiguration, and there they saw Jesus, Moses, and Elijah in shining raiment. And they were so impressed they wanted to keep the moment. And... and it only happened for, they wanted to build a tabernacle for them, but soon Moses and Elijah were gone, and it was only Jesus, and God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And he's saying the same thing to us. He wants us to listen to the still, small voice of God. So Jesus continued to prepare the disciples in, in ways that are uh, really interesting, and he told them that when they got to Jerusalem, he was going to suffer, he was going to die, and he was going to be raised from the dead. And of course, the disciples just 
weren't able to fathom that, but nevertheless, uh, they, they waited to see what was going to happen. And so Jesus was preparing them for ministry, even though they weren't aware of it. And then as they were walking along, and he was teaching more about to the disciples, he said, foxes have their holes and birds of the nests, and birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. As if to say, this is not going to be easy for you. It's going to be a tough road that you're going to need to follow. And then when he was asked uh, to take some people with him and they wanted to go back and bury the dead, he said, let the dead bury the dead. And again, he said, anyone who puts their hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. God is asking big things from us. And he always is good about the way he urges us into service. And through his guidance, we learn how to share our faith and how to be leaders in the kingdom of God. We are, in fact, missionaries. You know, we sent out a lot of missionaries from St. Bartholomew since I started coming here and helping out 14 years ago. And the Hayden family is about to go to Prague. That, that sounds kind of rough. <laughs> but we're sending them out, and we've sent out many others. And so we send out missionaries, and when we do that, and the kingdom of God is, is building, being built up. Recently, I, I read with some friends a story about uh, a, a missionary from England named Stuart Hine. And he found his way into the Ukraine, and he went up some mountains, and he found a small village, and he began just preaching and teaching and singing songs, and, and people were captivated by him. And then one day they, uh, they expected a big, huge storm. And so uh, uh, the head of the school invited him into their home to, for protection. So he went into their home, and during the night there was this fierce storm, kind of like the one we had a couple of nights ago. <clears throat> and uh, while he was trying to get some sleep in the storm, suddenly he wrote the first verse of How Great Thou Art which we all know so well. And then as he continued his ministry into the hills and vales of Bulgaria and surrounding countries, he just loved being in God's creation. And he wrote the second verse, which we don't know as well, but it goes, when through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountains grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. You know, we're gonna to get to sing how great there are, three verses of how great there are just after we receive communion, so we've got to sing it really well. <laughs> One of the most spiritually uplifting times in, in my memory is uh, in having experiences with God was uh, Katrina and I went to a month-long course in Jerusalem at St. George's College back in, in the 94 or 95, and for three days, we went out into the Sinai Desert in, in sort of jeep vans, and it was a lot of fun. The first night, we tried to sleep out in, under the stars and didn't make a lot of progress. The second morning, we were to get up at 2.30 and get a camel, and we we're going to ride up part of the way on Mount Sinai. But all the camels had been taken, so off we went. We were walking, 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 and it's a pretty good climb, fortunately. A uh, camel driver came along and gave us a short ride. And, but the last 
200 feet or so, it, the steps are big, and it's, it's really a pretty difficult climb at the very top. And we got to the top, and it was like seeing the world in a way that you wouldn't see it any other way. It was so beautiful to look around every direction. And, and sure enough, we felt the presence of God in that place. And then the song leader had a, even carried a guitar, and he led us in How Great Thou Art. And we said, you know, he would, as we got to the end of each verse, he would remind us of the next line, which I needed. And we sang it with such gusto that my heart was so moved that we could be there on that mountain and, and, and sing that song and give God praise and glory. But as always, we had to come down off that mountain. And I, I know that all of us here have some mountaintop experiences, but we always have to come down and face the day uh, living, uh, we are living, and we know we're living in very confusing times. We know that people are saying that we're living in a post-Christian era. Well, I don't buy that at all. I think we're, we who believe, there may be fewer of us percentage-wise, but those of us who are here are more committed than ever, and we're going to stay that way. And so uh, we don't want to put aside the Judeo-Christian worldview and think that the others have the answers because they don't. And people are living in their ivory tower, and they think that they have the answers when only God does. For those of us who have committed our lives to living out the Christian life, worshiping God, you know, developing a rule of life where we worship God faithfully, where we pray daily, where both by ourselves and with our family, and where we read the scriptures and digest them, and where we share our faith and find our ministry and find our fellowship groups, uh, this is how God builds us up and prepares us for ministry. So Paul begins the first chapter. Actually, Paul isn't too happy with the Galatians. In the beginning of chapter 3, he says, oh, you foolish Galatians. He really exhorts them to you know, get on the ball and become the people that he wants them to be. So the opening line to the reading for today is um, that we read in the fifth chapter. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Then he continued later in the chapter, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. And Paul states all the acts of the flesh very clearly, and there are a lot of them. I don't want to uh, necessarily go over them, but we all heard them read, and, and we've got to stand against and see if our sin fits into any of those categories. And then he shares the passage that we all love and we all desire to know. And he, said, he tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. And Steve, you read that so well. But... Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the list of attributes God wants to plant in us. And if we're lacking any of these, we're to seek his guidance and help and just let him mold us and shape us because that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to make us the kind of people that when we come into contact with anyone, they will see Jesus in us. And we want that to happen. We want people to know that we're not living in a post-Christian era. We are living for the present 
and we are wanting God to work through us in a way that will make a difference in the lives of people around us. So St. Paul is our teacher. He's helping us on our journey of faith just as the true prophets of old did for the Israelites and just what Jesus did for the disciples as he taught them on their way to Jerusalem. And this is what Paul is doing through his epistles and especially in the one we heard read today. He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives so that people will see Jesus and that they'll feel Jesus when they come into our worship. I'd like to close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we offer to you all that we have that you might work through us to your glory. We no longer want to be controlled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Rather, we want to be transformed by your Spirit as you renew our minds so that we can know your will and experience your power in doing it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.